You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rique, being joined by the publisher of the Bark Board, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How are you? Uh, good. That was, uh, well, let, let's just put it this way. That was kind of hard to watch this last past week, uh, where the Bulldogs faced uh, Colorado State. Uh, not exactly the way we all anticipated it was going to go, um, although I did kind of warn last week that, you know, this team was not a team to, to sleep on, uh, and they proved just that, didn't they, Jackson? Yeah, and, you know, there was a few things we hit on that Colorado State brought to the table, and the Bulldogs didn't have an answer for it. They talk about third-down defense by the Rams. The Bulldogs only converted two out of 13. Colorado State had been one of the best in the conference at third-down defense. Um, pass defense, the Bulldogs obviously had a rough time getting the, the passing game going. Jorge Reina just 20 out of 37 for 200 yards. Um, you know, Colorado State obviously with their big six foot six wide receiver. Uh, I mean, he went for nine catches, well over 100 yards, and the Bulldogs never had an answer for him. And even the running game, when we did our podcast last week, I believe the starting running back had not yet been suspended. And then he was suspended, and uh, he's been dismissed from the team. And then the backup did just about as good as we would have expected for the starter to do. Um, so the the thing that surprises me, though, is that the Rams have some weapons and some things that they do well, but they haven't been able to put it together to get victories. I mean, the only teams they've beaten in the last two years are New Mexico and San Jose State. Um, you know, they, they they haven't been very successful. I don't think they've beaten a team that finished with a winning record since the end of 2016 when they beat San Diego State. So it's a, a bit of a head-scratcher that the Bulldogs didn't have an answer for them. For all the, the high points you can look at the Rams, they haven't been able to to come together and get victories and uh, I mean against a lot worse teams than I think Fresno State is yeah things uh certainly um have kind of left a bad taste in the in uh, the fans mouths uh just trying to figure out what is going on with this Bulldogs team um who have you know pretty much just struggled uh to try and get anything going. I mean, it, it was the polar opposite of the previous week against UNLV where the Bulldogs seem to have put together almost a complete game uh and then go against uh Colorado State and came out as if they hadn't been practicing all week, Jackson. It it, it really you know, Colorado State came out and jumped on top of uh, Fresno State and it kind of just seemed like they weren't ready for Colorado whatsoever. They came out and they just took care of business early on. Yeah, especially defensively. I mean, I think it was the second play of the game. The Rams go for a, a big touchdown pass and one that could have been pretty easily prevented. I mean, the tight end running down the sideline, that's usually not one that goes for a touchdown if someone can just nudge him out of bounds. Uh, you know, I was talking to some of the players today after practice and you know, the numbers of missed tackles and missed assignments are even larger than you would probably would have assumed from that game. I mean, just absurd numbers. Uh, I mean, it's hard to believe that how great the defense was a year ago. I mean, obviously they've replaced some parts, but for them to fall the way that they have, uh, it's just been uh, 
a bit shocking. There's 41 points at Colorado State. You know, they hadn't given up more than 27 all year long last year, and uh, it just seems like it's not just Colorado State. It, it could be Air Force. Um, I mean, they played quite a few teams that have lit up the Bulldogs, and uh, you s- uh, certainly worry about that going to Hawaii, a team that's going to be able to put a lot of points on anyone. So, um, yeah, it's just a, a bit of a head scratcher. You thought the Bulldogs could at least get that win against Colorado State and kind of see what happens with these next three games coming up. But now it's kind of do or die for this team. They're getting pretty close to letting the season get away from them. And uh, I think just about everyone in that room believes that the drop-off that we're seeing is not what they expected from last year's team, but um, it's going to be what it is if uh, they don't get it turned around very quickly. Now, right now the Bulldogs are pretty much uh, in jeopardy if they if they continue to lose. They're in, pretty much in jeopardy of not even making a bowl game this year, uh, which uh, uh, by the looks of it, I, I, I'm i in the opinion that they're going to struggle against Hawaii uh, and may very well come away with another loss against Hawaii. So uh, it's going to be one of those where can the Bulldogs regroup this week uh, after uh, going back and licking their wounds a little bit from this uh, Colorado State loss uh, and see what they can come up with. But right now, it doesn't seem that the Bulldogs have much of an answer as far as trying to put together a complete game uh, in order to, to do so and turn around this season. So uh, I, I don't know, Jackson. Is that is that something that is going to be kind of concerning right now moving forward. Can the Bulldogs continue to, to try and progress and maybe put something together and make a late run just to be bowl eligible at this point? Yeah, it's, it's a bizarre scenario where if the Bulldogs win the next five games, they're the West Division champions. Mathematically, they'll have it locked up, and yet we're also looking at a scenario where they could not even be bowl eligible. Um, you know, Right now, the way that they're playing, defensively in particular, uh, Hawaii is going to be a very tough one. Um, you know, even San Diego State, this is a defense that in the past has thrived off teams that were one-dimensional, and they really you know, they gave up 20 to Hawaii last year, but it was a, more than enough to get the victory. That's a pass-heavy offense, and the Bulldogs were more than happy to let them do that and kind of bend but don't break. You look ahead, San Diego State's a team. They're going to want to run the ball a whole lot. In the past, the Bulldogs have thrived on teams like that. This year, it looks like the Aztecs may be able to just pound it and keep the clock running and do enough to get a win. So it's, you know, if the Bulldogs keep playing the way that they have up until this point, I, I don't see it happening. Uh, definitely not a division champion. Uh, I think they're going to be right on the edge of bowl eligibility. Um, just you look at the matchups, it's going to be tough. Any of these next three games coming up, uh, then you finish with the Nevada team that's really struggling and a San Jose State team that uh, is definitely competent this year. You know, it's just the one thing for me is probably consistency with this Bulldog team. I think they can still have another game or two the way that they played against UNLV, but you know, it's hard to tell who it might come against. It might show up at any time, and we might have another stinker uh, the way that we've seen them play against uh, Colorado State and Air Force. Um, you know, I think they may get a win that surprises, and they may get a loss that surprises down the road. And <laughs> at the end of the day, if that happens, it's still going to be a challenge to get to six wins. They've got to go three and two in the last five, and uh, it could go either way, really. I mean, let's let's take a look at this last game against Colorado State. Uh, the Bulldogs offensively... Um, well, offensively, they struggled. Uh, weren't they like two for like forever on third downs for some reason? <laughs> yeah, and that's, I mean, they started out the game with 3-3 three, three and out, so it was about as ugly as we've seen them start. 
and then they finished the game particularly ugly with the interception and not being able to, to move the ball with the game on the line. Uh, but in between, they managed to go off for 31 points. I mean, 31 wins every game the Bulldogs played last season, uh, but this year it was certainly not good enough. And yeah, it's, uh, I mean, you look at that 2-for-13 number, they were not very far off from being a lot more having a lot more points than 31, which would have been pretty impressive. But uh, Coach Tedford mentioned it was a lot to do with the penalties, with the the mistakes. You know, there's a third and one, they get a false start, holding penalty here. It was one of the Bulldogs' worst penalty games offensively. So uh, a lot of those things contributed. But uh, this is a team that tries to make its mark on having manageable third-down situations. And even when they were manageable, you have passes being thrown behind the sticks and you know, just plays that are, are uncharacteristic for a Coach Tedford team that didn't get it done. I mean, and if you look at both sides of the ball, it was it was a number that was pretty much of an, an enigma. That's a word that I can't even touch, say. <laughs> um, but the, I mean, not only were the Bulldogs only like two for 12 or something like that on third down conversions, but it was the same thing for uh, Colorado State. So for these two teams to actually put up as many points as they did, by not even converting on third down is it's a head scratcher uh, i mean it just means that there was a lot of big plays going on uh between both teams uh that it never got to that most of the time got past those third downs uh or never got to a third down uh to where they kept scoring that many points but to have only two conversions on that many third downs one has to wonder how many points was left off the board, especially on a, a score that was at least combined that high. I mean, it, it's kind of weird, Jackson. <laughs> if you look at it, it was a combined of, what, over 70 points? Yeah. <laughs> so to go two for whatever on third downs on both sides of the ball, I mean, it, it really means that there was a whole lot of offense that was left off of uh, off of the the board there for for both teams, so this could have really been ugly. It could have been up <laughs> in the hundreds by the time this game was over. Um, but it is something that you kind of have to look at and kind of have to try and pinpoint what's going on here. Ronnie Rivers did end up coming away with 140, I believe, 140 yards rushing on the day, which uh, I believe is his best day so far this season. Um, and he's been struggling all season, but was able to manage getting some of those yards. Granted, I think a big portion of those was late in the fourth quarter, I think, Jackson, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he did pull off a couple of long runs in the fourth quarter to get a lot of those yards. Uh, but, you know, what? what's going wrong with this offense? I mean, can you put your finger on it? Can you kind of figure out... What do you see going on? What is the point that's really the struggle for the Bulldogs right now? You know, I think there's there's two sides to it because you watch the games and you see how the offense is playing out. You know, it feels a little uncomfortable a lot of the time. I feel like, and um, they obviously have had games late in games opportunities where they could finish win games. Obviously, the first two games, uh, this one here against Colorado State, it's tied. They've got the ball in their hands and they're not getting it done and getting over the hump, but. At the same time, they're averaging pretty close to the same amount of points this team scored last year. Uh, it's only three points less per game than the Bulldogs had in a season last year when they went 12-2. and two. So you know, ultimately, the defense is not doing them a whole lot of favors by putting them in some of these situations, uh, situations that last year's team did not have to be put in. 
Uh, you know, I think it is kind of impressive by the sheer amount of overturn on the offense with it feels like almost a whole new offensive line, all new receivers. And then you've got Jorge Reina in there that they're averaging almost the same amount of points as they did last year. But I think the thing they, they've kind of gotten over some of the offensive line struggles, which was, I think the biggest problem early on, they were really making Reina uh, run around in the pocket and giving up a lot of sacks the first couple of weeks and not having much of a running game, but they've kind of figured that out. Uh, the Reina hasn't been under as much pressure and, this was really the first game that Rivers or, or Hokett have really been able to do much uh, between the 20s. Uh, Rivers with 14 carries, 146 yards. You almost probably think they have a little regret they didn't get him the ball more probably towards the end of that game. But the thing that maybe sticks out to me most is just the sheer amount of, of personnel substitutions the team runs. And I know for a lot of teams, that's effective. Boise State's a team that runs out a whole lot of different packages and things. But you know, you're talking about seven games into the season. Fresno State's leading receiver has uh, 284 yards. Uh, that's Darion Grimm. You know, it's just it's so spread out. And this team really thrived in the past off McMarion throwing it to Keyshawn Johnson. That was like the majority of the passing offense. The Bulldogs don't have any go-to weapons and. They have a lot of weapons, but they're coming on and off the field so much. I feel like it's a little bit of a rhythm and chemistry issue. And then when things get uh, high pressure towards the end of games, they seem to fold a little bit. But it certainly seems like they have the players and the talent. I would like to see them tighten up things a little bit more, uh, maybe focus in on a few standout players rather than, uh, you know, I've got to imagine Fresno State's uh, at the bottom of the barrel of the conference when it comes to a leading receiver. Even the running game, Rivers at 450 yards and in seven games is not a great number. Um, you know, it's weird. They're putting up points, but uh, statistically it's a head-scratcher of uh, how much the ball is being distributed and how the Bulldogs haven't been able to really establish an identity at this point of the season. Um, they're not really a heavy passing team. They're not a heavy running team. They don't have a lot of go-to guys or a go-to guy in a clutch situation, it feels like. Um, so the offensive line is at least at a point where it should help them perhaps get to that, but it's pretty late in the season for them to feel like they don't quite have an identity at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, things <sighs> – I mean, there's not much else you can say at this point. Uh, the they've been doing what they could with that that offensive line. Uh, although Dante Bull goes down during this last game, uh, I don't know the status on him right now, but he was a key uh, proponent of what they were trying to do to try and get this uh, this offensive line reestablished. Uh, and then he goes down during the game. Uh, I mean, what do you know the the latest status on on what's going on with Dante Bull there now? You know, Coach Tedford didn't think it would be very serious. Uh, we'll have an update on the premium board of where he stands going into this week. But, um, you know, that did kind of turn things a little bit. They, they had to go to Alex Akingbulu, who's a UCLA grad transfer, and uh, he had a false start on his first play, which was unfortunate. But it, it didn't seem like the offensive line dropped off terribly from that point on, and uh, they seemed to be pretty confident with him there at left tackle. And, you know, it's just been kind of a revolving door. They've already been without Bull one game already this season, so... Uh, you know, they've been going without Muti now for several weeks, but you know, surprisingly, the offensive line has seemed to have stepped up quite a bit in the last couple of weeks, despite all of that. And Hawaii is another team that, as much credit as we're going to give them offensively, 
they don't do a whole lot that's uh, very successful on defense. <laughs> <laughs> so it's going to be another one of those. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, one thing I did notice uh, during this whole game was uh, the the usage more of uh, Jalen Cropper. Um, he was being put in multiple different situations. I think they, the coaching staff is starting to realize that uh, they need to get him active in the game more and more and uh, are looking ways to get the ball into his hands. Uh, not only are they still doing those in rounds with him, but now they're actually sending him out on pass routes. Uh, and I think they got a, a little carried away in some situations where they were trying to force the ball over to Cropper a couple of times. I know uh, Jorge Reina threw a deep ball and actually ended up overthrowing Jalen Cropper, but it probably was a good thing because Jalen was actually double covered on that play. <laughs> and um, However, I do think that maybe uh, Reina might have let that ball go just a slight bit too early, which is you know which is why it resulted in the the overthrow. Had he thrown it on time, it probably would have ended up being another interception at that point because you know, like I said, Jalen Cropper was double covered at that point. But what do you think moving forward? We're going to see a lot more of Jalen Cropper, and why haven't we seen more of him uh, up until this point? Was it maybe the uh, maybe the ability to learn the playbook and, and maybe they were holding him back a little bit because he hasn't learned that playbook yet? I don't know. What do you think, Jackson? Hey, you know, it was interesting to see them. For me, the biggest thing that was interesting was uh, to put him in on kick returns because that's a, a pretty a relatively dangerous play in the sport of football. And I think one of the biggest concerns for Cropper is that he's at a list at 155 pounds and <laughs> maybe you want to put him in, you, you don't want to snap him like a twig. Yeah. You, you don't want to put him in, in bad situations. I don't think it's, it's obviously hasn't stopped him from being a very effective weapon for the Bulldogs this season, but you know, you definitely don't want to intentionally put him in harm's way. And the kick return game was pretty bad last weekend. And you thought maybe Cropper would spark that a little bit. Uh, he had one of the better returns of the game relative to the other ones, but uh, offensively, they did try to get him the ball a little bit more, uh, which just came up shy of a touchdown. Uh, again, <laughs> I guess that's two plays now in Bulldog Stadium. He's about a yard shy of scoring on those. Uh, but they did get a little more creative with it, got him more involved with the swing pass. That's, uh, you know, one that Reina, I feel like, has struggled with a little bit. Uh, there was one play in particular. Cropper just it wasn't a good ball thrown to him. If it would have been an easy catch, he's gone down the field for a huge gain. Uh, instead, he's bobbling it and it's dropping because the ball was thrown behind him a little bit. Uh, so it definitely seems like they are getting him a few more looks. Um, I think they could probably give him more still, but uh, they definitely recognize him as a weapon for sure. Yeah, it's the, it, it's it's very apparent that he's going to be a big part of this bulldog offense uh, in the you know the years to come uh, because he uh, you know let's face it he he has a potential to go the distance every time he touches the ball uh, he just has those type of moves uh, to get him more involved is a good thing for the bulldogs at this point although uh, I'm just not sure if it's going to make too much of a difference <laughs> right now um, now, Defensively, the Bulldogs didn't really change much up, but however, they were, uh, I mean, for a lack of a better term, they were pretty sloppy with their tackling. Um, you know, like you said early on, one of the first few plays of the game uh, was that throw to the tight end, and um, I believe it was Juju Hughes who came in on the play and completely missed the tackle, allowing the tight end 
to make a run all the way to the end zone un, uh, unabated pretty much. So is that what's going on, Jackson, a lack of focus on tackling? Uh, you know, missed tackles were the theme uh, of this last week's game from what the players were telling me today. Uh, that was the biggest issue. That and missed assignments, which you know, two very uncharacteristic things for the way Fresno State has played defensively the last two years. Um, but yeah, I mean, missed tackles all over the place, uh, well into the double digits. I mean, really uh, an ugly performance in that facet of the game. And when Colorado State's got weapons like that, they'll take advantage of you if you can't tackle. Um, it's just been a, a surprising showing by the defense to this point, and um, it almost feels like they've been regressing as the season's gone on. But, you know, moving forward, now the Bulldogs are going to have to travel to the islands, and it's not something that's always easy for the Bulldogs to do. Uh, you know, if you look back at the records, the Bulldogs always you know, struggle on the islands for whatever reason, uh, and vice versa. You know, when the uh, Warriors come here to Bulldog Stadium, they tend to struggle themselves. But this is one of those where um, you, it all depends on which one of these teams actually show up uh, on both sides of the ball. Uh, you've got Fresno State, who at, at times look like they have all the potential in the world, and then there's times where it looks like they just should have just stayed home. Um, same goes for Hawaii, though, right, Jackson? I mean, Hawaii doesn't look very much better or very dependable themselves right now. Yeah, you know, Hawaii, they're a, what you might call a, a feel-good team or a, a popcorn <laughs> team. Popcorn. If, uh, if you, There's a few former Bulldog coaches that have used those references, if you caught those. Um, but... They're a team that when things are going good, they will run you out of the stadium. And when things are going bad, they will be on the wrong side of a lopsided loss. Uh, they've had two close games at the beginning of the year with uh, Arizona and Oregon State. They picked up two Pac-12 wins. And those were games where it's kind of blueprint Hawaii. Their offense really put up a lot of points and their defense it wasn't great, but they got the stops they needed to at the end of the game. And since then, it's kind of been all or nothing. Uh, they've, you know, their offense is pretty dependable. They're going to put up points even if they lose, and even if it's by a lot, they're going to score quite a bit of points. And uh, Boise State was a, a prime example of that uh, earlier this season. Um, you know, Air Force they played them recently uh, was pretty similar to the way the Bulldogs played that game. The Falcons scored just about every time they had the ball. Uh, again, Air Force won that one 56-26. Uh, Boise State was a, a 59-37 loss for the Rainbow Warriors. Um, but then you've got games like when they went to Nevada. They crushed the uh, Wolfpack 54-3. to uh, They went to New Mexico last weekend. They were up by 30 points at one point, ultimately won 45-31. So you know, this is a team that once it gets rolling, it's really hard to stop. And... Um, at the end of the day, you've got to be a well-rounded team to beat the Rainbow Warriors. You've got to have enough defense to slow down their offense, and you have to have a good enough offense to take advantage of their bad defense. And if you've got those pieces to the puzzle, you'll pretty much beat the Rainbow Warriors more often than not. But if you're deficient in any of those areas, it can get ugly. And I think Fresno State right now is deficient in most areas, unfortunately, at this point <laughs> of the season. And 
Um, and we've seen, like you mentioned, uh, just about every game they played, uh, there's been flashes. Even in the ugly Air Force game, the offense was about perfect in the first half. Even against Colorado State, uh, as ugly as the start and the finish were, they played very well in between. They just haven't been able to be consistent from week to week, and they haven't been able to put four quarters together. And by all means, against Hawaii, that's going to cost you for sure. Oh, no, it's it's definitely going to cost them if they, if they can't seem to – uh, limit their mistakes and and get the ball going. Uh, especially they've got to do better than two and fourteen on third down conversions because uh, it's going to be all about time possession. Um, if you give Hawaii enough time on the clock, they are going to hurt you uh, because this is the type of offense that when the offense is uh, offense for them is clicking, they don't take much time off the clock to score points. They 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 move quickly. Uh, and so if the Bulldogs aren't able to convert on third downs, uh, move the chains, you know, chew up some clock, so to speak, and, and make this game shorter, it's going to be advantage Hawaii. I mean, are you of that opinion, Jackson, that if they are not able to take time off the clock, it's going to more lean towards Hawaii's advantage at this point? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, Coach Tedford, you know, time of possession is crucial in any game, but Coach Tedford really made that a point this week, uh, just as you mentioned, Um you know, it's not something that he necessarily brings up every week, but this Monday at this press conference, he did mention that they're really going to make a an emphasis to try to run the ball and control the clock and uh, put a, more emphasis on that than we've seen in the past, uh, this season at least. So uh, that's definitely one thing they're looking at because, as you mentioned, uh, if you, you've got Cole McDonald, that uh, quarterback. Uh, I mean, the guy's got uh, a crazy numbers this season, 2,500 yards, 24 touchdowns, and 11 picks already this year. Um, you know, they, he can run the ball. He's got 336 rushing yards. He's their second leading rusher. They've got four receivers that are over 400 yards, and that's uh, topped by Cedric Bird, who has 59 catches for 689 yards, nine touchdowns on the season. You know, as I mentioned, the Bulldogs don't have a receiver over 300. Hawaii's got four of them over 400. So they like to put up a, a lot of points, a lot of yards, a, a lot of snaps in a short amount of time. And the longer Fresno State can have possession of the ball and keep their defense off the field, I think that's going to give them their best shot. Yeah, it's definitely going to uh, make things a lot better if they can shorten up this game uh, because, you know, too much time on the clock, Hawaii is going to be all over you. <laughs> they get too many opportunities. They're they're going to put some points on the board. Uh, so if they if the Bulldogs can, can limit their opportunities, chew up some clock, uh, and really put the pressure on um, on Hawaii to do something, then they might have a chance uh, in in coming away with the victory on this one. Uh, it's it's going to be hard to tell as to which direction this game is going to go in right now. But uh, you know the Bulldogs do have the ability to win this one against Hawaii. Although you know it, it, every time you look at this Hawaii team they can be very dangerous in the passing game, right, Jackson? And that's where uh, Fresno State, it, it it seems like you don't know which team is showing up against the pass lately. Uh, and it, could this be an issue against this Hawaii team who, if they can put their, their pieces together and, and really spread you out with this spread offense? Uh, definitely. Um, you know, Hawaii gets their yards there third in the nation in passing offense so they're going to put it on you every game <laughs> and they've even got a second quarterback that can do it uh Chevin Cordero as a redshirt freshman he's come in and actually won a couple games for them already the last couple of years 
And I mean, they're if they struggle on the passing game, they're going to make some adjustments and figure out a way to to succeed. But I've got a feeling they're not going to need to do a whole lot of that the way Fresno State's been playing. Uh, I mean, Colorado State was a prime example, a very different scheme. But you just look at matchups. Uh, the Bulldogs didn't have an answer for uh, Colorado State's go-to receiver, and Hawaii's got four go-to receivers on the field every play. Uh, I, the Bulldogs are depleted in the secondary. They've had to rely on some young cornerbacks, even uh, some other young safeties and linebackers to contribute to the pass defense. And this just does not seem like a, a very good matchup for Fresno State. Um, you know, we'll see if maybe they put up a better game the way they did against UNLV, where they were getting several interceptions and you know, they've had some flashes throughout the year. But uh, the overall consensus, in my mind, is that the Bulldogs aren't very good defending the pass and. Uh, UH is going to be more than happy to take advantage of that. Yeah, it's uh, I, I hate saying it, but I'm I'm seeing a very pass heavy day to uh, this this upcoming weekend, and the problem is is that if if Hawaii can get out and get get an early lead, they're going to force the Bulldogs to do the same and start passing the ball a lot more. Uh, which, you know, I, I, let's be honest, Reina hasn't been the sharpest tool uh, the last. Uh, this last game, he w- he seemed to really struggle, you know, throwing some passes behind the players and and really missing his targets. But um, to do that against the Hawaii team is really really going to hurt you. Um, so we'll see what kind of game that uh, Jorge Reina is able to put together. But defensively, Fresno State against this uh, against this Hawaii team, um, you know, I. That that passing game, if they're able to shut down the passing game, does Hawaii have much of a running game at all? You know, their running game is very dependent on establishing the pass first. <laughs> you get the passing game going, and so you it's, get it's either one or the other. Huh? You get you get everyone focusing on the pass, and then they beat you with the run. It's kind of like Air Force, where the Bulldogs are focused in on the run, and then they run a flea flicker and throw for a fifty-yard touchdown pass. Kind of the opposite side of things. The Rainbow Warriors, they have athletes in the running game. They've actually got three running backs who are, are pretty comfortable with the ball in their hands. Uh, Miles Reed and Fred Hawley, both pretty solid recruits. Uh, Dayton Faruda is a 255-pound running back and a team captain. He's been kind of injured this year, so I'm not sure if he'll be able to go. But uh, they definitely, you know, they have running backs. They have Nick Rolovich, who, while he's brought back the run-and-shoot offense, he was beforehand a pistol offensive coordinator at Nevada and was very run-heavy. So they have some of those elements. They're going to run read option with the quarterback, run pass options. They do enough to hurt you and keep you balanced, um, but this is definitely a pass-first team, and uh, that's where you definitely have to put your emphasis on if you're Fresno State's defense. Now, Jackson, uh, before we, we head off to our other subjects here, uh, your gut feeling, how, how do you see this one playing out for the Bulldogs? You know, everything I see on paper, I basically advantage Hawaii to me. The only thing is that their defense is pretty porous, and Fresno State, again, it's still averaging well over 30 points a game. I think the Bulldogs are going to put up quite a bit of points in this one, but I'm not sure if it's going to be enough to keep up with uh, Hawaii's run and shoot, uh, at least the way that the Bulldogs' defense is playing right now. You know, um, I mean, especially coming off this Colorado State game, I look at several of these upcoming games, and I, I don't really like the Bulldogs' odds, but I do think one of the things here with the Bulldogs is inconsistency. And I think Fresno State has another performance or two, the way that they played against UNLV previously. You know, they just basically took over that game. 
but I don't know when it's going to show up. It could come <laughs> at any time. It could, you know, I think they might be able to do it one or two more times this year, but I don't, it could, again, any week, <laughs> really, it's kind of the wild card. I think it gives you a little bit of hope that they might come out and surprise in some of these games, but I think uh, all things being equal and looking at the trends, uh, this one doesn't pan out very well for Fresno State, and I think the the betting line of 2.5 for UH as the favorite is not as nearly as generous as I'm expecting. I think the Rainbow Warriors, you know, if if it plays out the way that the stats and everything project, I think they could win this one by double digits. Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. I think this one uh, could end up being ugly by the end of the day. Um, so uh, I hope I'm wrong, but then again. Um, I've been wrong, uh, with the Bulldogs, uh, most of the season so far, uh, as far as thinking, you know, they were going to come out with some wins when they actually came out with some losses. So we'll, we'll see where that, that trends. Okay. So here's the final thought then, uh, bowl eligible at the end of the season, bowl eligible. You know, the the thing about this team and I'm mentioning the inconsistency, <laughs> our our opinion of them has changed so drastically after each four quarters they've played. We look at that Air Force game and thought, Oh my gosh, this team just does not have it. They're and then a week later they are the opposite. Oh, they're the team we thought they were gonna be all season, the way they beat UNLV. <laughs> and then they lose to a Colorado State team that's not a very you know, again, talented individually, very bad as a team as a whole. And that they, they beat the Bulldogs and you're left scratching your head again. Um so you know, this, this week, what do you think? I mean, <laughs> it could change very drastically after the next four quarters, but if the Bulldogs lose, like I think we both are expecting them to at Hawaii, they'll be three and five on the year, and that means they've got to win three out of four, and I think the odds of that are not great. <laughs> they, they'll have to beat Utah State at home, and they'll have to go to San Diego State and win. Those are both going to be very challenging. And the way San Jose State is and looking they, this yeah, year. Yeah, they got to go on the road. And believe me, if the Bulldogs are 5-6 and six for that San Jose State game, regardless of where the Spartans' are, or record is and whatever's on the line for them, they'll take a lot of pleasure in keeping the Bulldogs out of a bowl game regardless of, of what their scenario is. So they're going to be motivated for that. Um, you know, I think the only sure thing right now is that the Bulldogs will probably beat Nevada and knock on wood, <laughs> but I think that's the, the sure thing right now, and then we'll see. I think they can surprise maybe once, maybe twice in these next three games. We'll see if it happens, but you know, it, it's still – you just don't know with this team quite yet, and there's still enough wiggle room and room for error for them to survive another loss and get to the bowl game, but – Definitely not for winning the division. They've got to be perfect from here on out, and it's possible, but it doesn't seem very likely right now. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I, I have no. A, 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 if you ask me this week, they're not going to make a bowl. Yeah, that's just Sunday. The way it is. We might have a, a different opinion <laughs> entirely. But. Yeah, you ask me this week, they're not going to make a bowl. If they win on uh, on this weekend, ask me again. Maybe they're going to go to a bowl. Yeah, but the way things are going right now, it's just it's not looking good for the Bulldogs. Um, they need to really put things together in a hurry. I mean, this coaching staff right now is not happy. Let's let's face it. I mean, you and I both uh, got that feeling after the the last game that the coaching staff was not happy at all, and uh, there was going to probably be some, uh, you know, some long practices for these <laughs> players this week. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, before we kind of switch gears a little bit, a little bit on uh, Fresno State football recruiting. Anything changed? Anything new going on right now? 
Uh, well, to uh, kind of fit the theme of our, our sorrows here, <laughs> Bulldogs, just as we were talking, uh, lost a commit. Uh, three-star cornerback Dejan Malone from Edison High School has decided to open things up. And um, he does have a, an offer from Oregon State in hand. That would probably seem like the likely landing spot for him. It sounded like Fresno State and Oregon State were his two places he was probably down to, even though he already committed to Fresno State. He was wanting to visit the Beavers. And, uh, you know, the Fresno State coaching staff isn't the uh, most accepting to commits who want to explore their options still. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, it was kind of a mutual deal with those uh, two parties. But uh hurts to lose a local guy, uh, one that – is a, a pretty impressive athlete around six two, six three, long, can play corner or safety, but doesn't look like he's going to be a bulldog after all. And that drops the bulldogs back down to five commits. And uh, they had some good momentum going. You know, after losing Jaden Casey, they picked up a new quarterback and they got a three star tight end. Things were looking good, and now uh, after another loss, some more bad news. So uh, recruiting has been about as up and down as the team has been this season. Uh, but uh, right now they've at, they're at five commits. It shouldn't be a, a huge class on signing day, but there's going to be a lot of action to come over the next couple of months, and we'll be sure to to have it covered from front to back on uh, the premium board. Well, that you know, that's that's the the way things go. I mean, when you start having a losing season, you start to lose some of those top prized recruits. I mean, that's just the way things start to to pan out. The key is is can the uh, coaching staff be able to hold on to most of these guys that are that have committed to Fresno State, and if they're able to land a few more, uh, you know, high profile players uh, that can help turn around this uh, team here in the in the next few years, but. Um, that being said, we're going to take a quick peek around the Mountain West, see where everything's kind of shaking out. Uh, again, uh, Boise State, you know, kind of if if this was that one format that it used to be where, uh, you know, it would go by record and you'd win the division or win the whole conference, Boise State would have won it already. Uh, <laughs> Just about. <laughs> but at this point, you know, they still have to go through a Mountain West championship and so we'll start off with the mountain division, or yeah, the mountain division. And what do you see it kind of shaking out on that side? Yeah, right now, Boise State controls their own destiny. Um, they do have to go through Wyoming, who's uh, ca- caught on the last couple of weeks. They're at six and two on the season, three and one in conference. Uh, they've also got to go to Utah State, who I think is looking more and more like the fourth best team in that division. But even as the fourth best team in the mountain. Uh, they've beaten San Diego State. They would have may very well may have been the best team in the West if they were on that side of things. So definitely heavy on the mountain this year. Uh, Air Force, I think, is looking like the best team in the conference right now, but they're probably going to need Boise State to lose twice to make up for their early season loss to the Broncos. And I don't see Boise State dropping two games. Um, the, the only way that happens is if their quarterback, Hank Bachmeyers, continues to be out for a while. They don't seem to be nearly as good without him. But they've had a bye to figure things out. Uh, on the west side, it's still kind of a, a question mark. San Diego State's been really the most consistent team. I don't think they're that great, but at the end of the day, they are seven and one and four and one in conference play. Uh, if Hawaii or Fresno State go through and knock them off and win out, it doesn't matter. The Aztecs will be on the outside looking in. But right now, they seem like the the favorite to get through the West without uh, the least amount of losses and. Uh, you know, this is a year 
Six and two is probably going to be good enough to win the, the division. Five and three could even happen if some of these teams you know, eat at each other with the the parity in the division. But um, right now, it looks like it's the Aztecs to lose. Yeah, it's going to be right now. It's it's probably going to come down to if the Bulldogs can can pull off a couple of wins here. It's going to come down to that uh, Fresno State San Diego State matchup in uh, you know in San Diego. Um, and it's that that trip is never easy uh, to to pull off a victory there. The San Diego team seems to play very well at home, um, so we'll we'll have to see what happens there. But right now, I agree with you. It's it is San Diego's to lose at this point um, because of all the struggles with everybody else in the conference. So uh, they are in the driver's seat, so to speak. Um, but moving forward now, now that we've We've gotten all the ba- the football behind us now. Now it's time to switch gears and and start kind of uh you know turning up the heat on basketball right now. And Jackson, what is going on with Fresno State basketball right now? Yeah, depending on when you're listening to us uh, throughout this week, um, the Bulldogs will be opening their season with an exhibition on Wednesday. So for us, it hasn't happened yet. If you're listening before kickoff <laughs> for Fresno State football, it, it'll have already happened. So. Uh, but they do open with the exhibition on Wednesday at 7 p.m. against Dominican University. Uh, sh- well, probably won't tell us much about this team as far as how good the collective is, but the intriguing thing is what the Bulldogs will do rotational-wise with their starting lineup even. There's a lot of question marks with this team. Uh, all the freshmen essentially are expected to play and not redshirt. There's a lot of influx of talent there, but at some point they're going to have to tighten up the rotation, and there's just... You know, it's probably a good 12, 13 guys right now vying for playing time. They're going to have to figure things out with an exhibition like this one. And then uh, it won't be very long after that. They'll be headed to Oregon to play the number 14 Ducks for the actual season opener. And uh, that'll be a real tough test for this team to start off. I think this is a you know a pretty talented group of Bulldogs. Uh, definitely promising for the future. Uh, they've got a lot more front court talent and depth than last year's team did, but I think the backcourt is going to take an obvious hit when you lose uh, Braxton Huggins and Deshaun Taylor and the about 35 points per game they had last season. I don't know if they have the the scoring ability in the backcourt to replace that with any two guys, but uh, they do have two seniors with New Williams and Noah Blackwell that should to eat up a lot of those minutes and. It's just going to be a really intriguing season. I think they're going to be a lot different looking than last year based off the personnel with all the the additions they have at the center and power forward positions and a lot of uh, minutes up for grabs with uh, some of the bench guys as well. So this team's going to evolve quite a bit over the next month, and we'll see if they can make a run in the Mountain West by the time they figure things out. Yeah, things things are definitely... uh going to start to uh, ratchet up for uh, Fresno State basketball and which means you're about to get really busy right Jackson <laughs> uh, you know jumping back and forth between sports and trying to cover all of these so uh, yeah basketball season is upon us uh, and so you know it, it's it's a good time of the year which means we're starting to get close to the holidays Jackson <laughs> that's usually that's usually when you know 
uh, we're getting close to the holidays as basketball starts to come around and, and things start to shake out a little bit. Um, it might be just what the Bulldog faithful needed right now after <laughs> watching this uh, football program really struggle this year. Maybe they can uh, latch on to the basketball program and maybe they will <laughs> give something for the, the, the faithful to kind of follow. Uh, but right now, uh, we'll continue to do what we can to cover uh, Fresno State uh, football and basketball. But that being said, you're headed to Hawaii this upcoming uh, for this upcoming game. You know, what are you looking forward to? You have big plans for Hawaii right now, Jackson. <laughs> yeah, well, one of the things is I've been covering UH uh, from afar, mostly recruiting for 24-7 sports, pitching in there. And I'm definitely interested to check out their campus and see what they have to offer recruiting-wise. It's always been something in my head that it shouldn't be too hard to recruit to a place that many refer to as paradise, you know. But uh, going out there for four years is probably a different proposition than a weekend. Or So um, I'll check that out, see what they have to offer. I'm, gonna, I'm really excited to check out some high school prep football at Hawaii. Uh, there's going to be a game that, neat for them. They use the Aloha Stadium for high school football, and there's going to be uh, St. Louis High School, if you're familiar with them. That's the program that's cranked out at Tua Tonga-Vailoa at Alabama, um, Mackenzie Milton at UCF, I mean, Marcus Mariota <laughs> at, at Oregon, and then with the Tennessee Titans. So, um, the, I mean, then this year's team, they've got – a whole several i mean I think it's up to double digit d1 commits so really excited to see them play and see what uh hawaii prep football is all about because it seems to be a, a pretty similar deal with the valley where you have a lot of pride in high school football here and then it's kind of secluded to an extent and then these big schools come in and take all your your elite athletes so uh I think there's been some, some parallels, even though Fresno and, and Hawaii have very different connotations. I think the both the high school and college football scenes have some parallels. And I'm just interested to see uh, the climate there and, and check that out. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and if I were you, I'd be going to be looking for the food. That, that you know, that's that's what I'd be looking at is <laughs> where can I go to, you know, get a good meal in, in Hawaii, but. It, <laughs> You know, every, anything with pineapple in it, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that being said, Jackson, any final thoughts on today's podcast? Yeah, we'll just see what happens with this football team this weekend, uh, see if they can get back on track or if it starts to spiral. We're kind of at that make-or-break point, but uh, a lot of recruiting to, to pick up as well. Um, so, I mean, as we mentioned, the Bulldogs are only at five commits right now. There's going to be a lot of action to come very soon, and so... Uh, whether it's football or recruiting, there's going to be some excitement picking up here in the next month or so. Yeah, and we, you know, we hear this all the time when they say that uh, uh, this one, the Bulldogs, it is a must-win for them. But it actually, you know what? It is a must-win for them. <laughs> they need to win this one in order to try and keep pace uh, to to you know not only uh, keep pace for the Mountain West title game, but to keep pace with bowl eligibility because right now they can't afford any more losses or they could be finding themselves in a world of hurt to, to move forward uh, into the postseason. But uh, you can find Jackson on Twitter at 247 or actually at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. You can go over to our Facebook page and give it a like. Uh, you can also reach out to us on the Bark Board uh, and 
we will return the message as soon as we can. That being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and joining back again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.